You're listening to Consider This, episode 310, for January 18, 2021. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy new year. Whenever, wherever, and whoever you are, welcome to the first episode for 2021 for Consider This. It's where I give you my conservative commentary along with your feedback in a slim 10 minutes or less. I'm the not exactly slim Doug Payton. If you want to get your thoughts here, stop by the website considerthis.ctpodcasting.com slash feedback. The ways to call me or email me or tweet me or Facebook me are all right there. That's CT as in capital turmoil. I was going to say something about the Georgia runoff elections for U.S. Senate, but later in that day, after results were apparent, chaos erupted at our nation's Capitol building. So that's taking over this episode. It took me a bit longer to collect my thoughts on this. So here they are, and this will go a little over my usual time limit. I hope you'll understand. It was January 6th, 2021, and I was in the middle of my workday when I got a Facebook message from listener Barb. You watching this? Unacceptable. All that I knew that was going on politically that day was the electoral college votes were to be certified by the Senate, and there were Republicans that were going to request that there be a commission to review the results in some of the close states. So I replied, is it the electoral college thing? Her reply didn't seem possible. Protesters have broken into the Capitol building. Congress being evacuated. Turn on your TV. Well, it turned out on that particular day, I was working at the home of a friend who doesn't get broadcast TV, but has a great internet connection. What I found out made it one of those days where I believe I will remember where I was when I heard the news. It was January 6th, 2021 and terrorism entered the halls of our nation's capital. It was at once unthinkable, horrifying, sickening, un-American, evil, heartbreaking, and insane. Feel free to add any adjectives of your own. Make no mistake, this was, at the very least, terrorism. Violence committed in pursuit of a political goal. In this case, it was a goal almost guaranteed not to be arrived at. It may have temporarily stopped the procedure that would ultimately declare Joe Biden and Kamala Harris president-elect and vice president-elect. But the violence did not stop it, partially because the American system of government is so very resilient and partially because it is so very stubborn. But not achieving their goal is beside the point. What their goal was or why they were pursuing it is beside the point. It doesn't matter. What matters is what they did. And what they did were acts of violence. The place that they committed these acts was uniquely dangerous to our constitutional system of government and may likely result in stiffer penalties. But their violence was the core of what they did wrong. They should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, for what they did. Some are calling what they did insurrection or sedition. 
Technically, there might be a case for that. But guys taking selfies in the Senate chamber with horns on their head, or with their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, don't come across as those trying to usurp the government. More like rebels without a clue. Maybe that's just me. But there were some other consequences of their actions that they do need to answer for. At least one person that I heard about died of a heart attack during the event, and a Capitol Police officer was killed. Those must be a component of their prosecution. So now, let's zoom out a little bit from the protesters. And as we do that, we see Donald Trump. I've been so dismayed at President Trump for fanning these flames of the idea of a stolen election, and that it really was a landslide for him. I hear people talking about evidence for it, but his legal team either didn't present that evidence in court, or presented it and then withdrew it. Some suits have been thrown out, many by Trump-appointed judges. We've heard people talk about what they saw, but never in court. At this point, I've decided that I have no dog in this race. I said in the show for November 9th that I was resigned to a Biden-Harris administration, though not in despair of it, and that's where I've been since then. But it really doesn't help to have the president personally address supporters who came to D.C. to protest the Electoral College vote certification and fan those flames for an hour. Now, he didn't tell them to get violent. And in fact, he specifically said to, quote, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, close quote. But his rhetoric was definitely pushing the narrative. He deserves some blame for that, but calling it incitement is really taking liberties with the meaning of that word. Now let's zoom out farther, a lot farther. As we do, we start to see the burned-out buildings and looted stores that were part of the riots during the summer. Now, before I get into this, I know some will say that I'm about to engage in whataboutism. Did you know that this term goes back to the 1970s? And it was a tactic often used by the Soviet Union? When criticized for the gulags and massacres that were going on at the time, the Soviets would respond with, what about and bring up our past history of slavery, for instance. Basically, it's a deflection of criticism by pointing out the bad behavior of the critic. So, whataboutism is where you or your tribe, be it political or social or whatever, ignores criticism by claiming hypocrisy of the opposing tribe. There is no admission of guilt. That's the key. This is different than what I will be doing. I will admit guilt on the part of my tribe and request consistency of the other tribe by asking that they similarly admit guilt for the same or similar action on their part. I'd like to have a catchy name for it, but I haven't spent any time on that. If you've got an idea, let me know. For now, I'll call it consistentism. And the consistentism in this case goes like this. Mob violence is always wrong. It's as simple as that. 
mob violence is always wrong. You probably know where I'm going with this. I'm going to compare the BLM riots this summer with the right-wing extremist riot we saw in D.C. You might suggest that what the right-wingers did at the Capitol was insurrection, which is far worse than burning buildings or looting stores. Well, I guess that depends on if you're the store owner or a building tenant or not. But consider this. What was the insurrection? What action did people take that made them insurrectionists? It was the violence. From the storming of the barricades outside, to the vandalism of the building inside, to the disruption of the government, these were all violent acts. Again, where it happened and to whom it happened should be considered when the charges are drawn up and the sentences given. They must pay a bigger penalty, but the penalty is beside the point. Instead, I want to repeat, mob violence is always wrong. From a moral point of view, that is, or should be, self-evident. And for the hundreds or thousands of business owners whose livelihoods were destroyed, consider that the violence during the summer had a far greater impact on them than the violence in D.C. Another objection to a comparison between the two was the motivations for each. Since one had to do with racial justice and the other had to do with the belief in a conspiracy theory, they were clearly different. I will go back to the base principle about mob violence because it should give us some perspective relative to any comparisons. As I said, consistently, this summer, I thought the American people were united behind the BLM cause right after the George Floyd incident. But the rioting, looting, and burning continued, and as they did, that support faded. Polls bore that out. For many who were sympathetic to the cause, mob violence was not the answer. But here's the problem with excusing mob violence in pursuit of a lofty goal. One man's lofty goal is another man's conspiracy theory. While a majority of the country may have agreed with the ultimate goal of the protests about the treatment of George Floyd, that does not excuse the riots. Well, it shouldn't. I have a video in the show notes of media figures and politicians doing just that, excusing or downplaying mob violence. But when you spend months normalizing that behavior, don't be surprised that when another group thinks that their cause is a lofty goal, mob violence breaks out again. When you chant, no justice, no peace, don't be surprised when anyone who feels that they've been given no justice implements their version of no peace. When you quote an out-of-context phrase from Martin Luther King that riots are the voice of the unheard to downplay mob violence, don't be surprised when others who feel unheard follow that example. When you excuse mob violence with the observation that buildings can be rebuilt, don't be surprised when it's your building, or even the people's building, the nation's capital, that is the next target. Again, the mob is responsible for their action. But if you hold up Trump's speech at the rally, 
against literally months of dismissing or in some cases outright approving of mob violence and fundraising to get rioters out on bail, you tell me which is more inciting. Mob violence is always wrong. It shouldn't be excused, downplayed, or mischaracterized. It doesn't matter the goal, or what other people think of the goal, or what law the violence is breaking. Mob violence is always wrong. On this point, I have been consistent, as well as most conservatives. It is conservatives who have spoken out against mob violence, no matter who is doing it. But for so many on the left, the ends justify or excuse the means. If you get accused of whataboutism, it may be that the accuser just doesn't want to be consistent. As for you, be consistent and expect consistency. Keep that in mind as you continue to consider this.